Greetings, friends, fellow patriots, fellow citizens, and even non-citizens, and those of you from around the world who tune into our podcast each week. Welcome to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm the president of the We the People Convention organization. And this podcast, our website, our emails, our text messages, our phone app, our donations to other conservative groups, our, our, our events that we pay to put on, the, the uh, events we travel to are all paid for through the generous donations of the donors to the We The People Convention, and we can't thank them enough. And if you are able, please join them by going to wethepeopleconvention.org and clicking on the donate link to support our efforts to protect and defend our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. We thank all of our donors so much, and we know everyone can't, but if you can, we ask that you support us because we believe you'll get more bang for your buck by supporting us than pretty much anybody else you can give to. So uh, welcome the, to this week's podcast. For those of you who are new, this is a news aggregation podcast. So we look at what happened this week, try to get rid of the propaganda and the lies, bring in the truth and the truth that matters to you. In other words, what is it that's affecting us, our lives directly and our families and our communities? And then we act. It's not just about you know news. It's about opinion, which ties the news together. In other words, what the hell does this mean? And then I'm going to ask you to do things, important things to protect and defend our freedom and our liberty and our prosperity. Okay. Now, I don't know, for those of you who are longtime listeners, thank you for your loyalty, for your continued support, for your emails and comments. And any of you can write to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org at any time to share your thoughts and to you know let me know if I said something wrong or you disagree with what I'm saying or if you'd like me to look into something that you're hearing that I'm I haven't mentioned yet. But you know, I, I don't know if you watched last week's podcast. I'm not sure I can match the intensity of that podcast with this podcast. But I think you got the message. And I heard from some of you. I didn't hear from enough of you. But I basically challenged you. We have to up our game. The video by Stephen Miller and Tucker Carlson that was, you know, that's on our website. The video with Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson were like slaps in the face. We're just not seeing the reality of the destruction that's being done to our society, and we're not doing anywhere enough to, to, to take on and defeat the people who are doing to us this to us intentionally. Now, I spent the week you know, saying, I, you know, I put out the thing that said, you know, it's time to stop being mad and to act mad. And I spent the week talking to people uh, here in Ohio about how we might be able to use our, our the charter that we give in, as a state of Ohio. Every bank has to be chartered to do business in the state. Could we repeal that? Could we throw Chase Bank branches out of our state? And I hope that you've been investigating those things as well. If you get some information, please share it with me, and I'll share it with everybody. But it, we've got to up our game. And there's going to be numerous examples in this podcast of, of how we're going to lose if we don't up our game. So we'll get into that. 
But uh, if, if you didn't watch last week's podcast, you probably should after you watch this one. It was uh, pretty intense and, and I think pretty accurate. So we'll go from there. Uh, as always, you know, our flag is hanging upside down, not as an you know, insult to our flag or our nation, but as a warning that we are under you know, dire distress and, and in danger of, to our life and our property. And that danger mostly comes from communist China. And you'll see some more evidence of that in this podcast. Wake up, go to wethepeopleconvention.org, just search on flag upside down and, and read about you know why it's upside down and then watch the Gordon Chang video that talks about how you know we're basically under, we're in World War III and we just don't acknowledge it. We just pretend it's not happening. Well, it is happening and we are in danger. We begin our podcasts every week by remembering the January 6th political prisoners uh, because they are the canary in the coal mine. They represent what uh, uh, the tyranny we are under. They represent the loss of our, our constitutional rights. They represent the future that we all face if we don't defend them and, and protect them and, and basically get restitution for them and bring to justice the criminals who are misusing and debasing our our you know our judicial system, our legal system to illegally uh, persecute, not prosecute these uh, individual Americans who are patriots. Stephen Miller said that as blunt as you can say it uh, in last week's video. He said flat out, when they can literally make up the law charge the president of the United States, a former president of the United States, with these bogus you know, law, abuses of the law, misrepresentations of the law, run him through a corrupt political process, whether it be in D.C. or New York, to juries who have been indoctrinated to believe that, you know, that, that we are somehow a threat to democracy when it is they who are abusing democracy and interfering with the ability for us to have fair elections by getting rid of the leading candidate in opposition to their tyrannical rulers. And then they do it in the open and dare you to do something about it. You now understand who's in control of the country. Stephen Miller said that. Go watch that segment. It's, it's heartrending, but it's the truth. And so, you know, we, we pray for the January 6th political prisoners because they're the, the guideline. What is winning? You can't win if you don't define what you're going to do to win. We, to win, to restore our republic, to restore the rule of law, which makes us unique in the history of the world. The, the way you're going to know that we've won is when the January 6th political prisoners are free, are pardoned, have gotten restitution, and the people who did this to them are being indicted and tried and put in prison to pay for their crimes. That's how you measure success. That's how you and all Americans should measure success going forward. Winning the election this year isn't success. Electing Donald Trump isn't success. It's restoring our republic, restoring our constitution, restoring the rule of law, that is success. You need to talk about that with your fellow patriots and citizens so they understand that if our lives are going to be the way they were, that as Tucker Carlson described in the Glenn Beck interview, 
back in the 80s and 90s, then it's it's got to be the restore, restoration of the rule of law. So join me in a quick prayer uh, for the political prisoners, their families, and their lawyers, and then we're going to talk about some news that has broke this week uh, uh, concerning the January 6th political prisoners. Please keep them in your prayers all the time, all the time, because, but for the grace of God, that would be you and me, uh, and it could be as early as next year that that will be you and me, okay? Now, I did uh, tell you last week that I was going to be seeing uh, Jim Jordan uh, on Saturday night, and uh, here's a picture of Nan and I meeting with uh, Jim Jordan uh, to talk a little bit about uh, you know, the, the, the problem with Jake Lang being tortured and the other prisoners being tortured and trying to get him to bring the Bureau of Federal uh, Bureau of Prisons, the head of that, into the weaponization committee to make them explain how this treatment is legal, is constitutional, is moral, on what legal grounds. And I have to tell you that I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I mean... Yeah, I have a good relationship with Jim Jordan, but I, I don't have to live his life. Could you imagine living Jim Jordan's life? Could you imagine how nuts that is? I know he's a good man, but he's also not going to act on this because I just don't think he feels that he can. And our good friend Bob France, uh, the radio host from 1420 um, in, in, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, AM 1420, uh, you know, Bob France interviews uh, Jim Jordan every week. And on Monday, he followed up and, and really, really pressed Jim Jordan hard about the political prisoners and doing something. And all Jim would commit to is that we're going to look into all of that. We're going to look into all of that. So I don't see Congress doing anything here Though you'll see some echoes that maybe the message is coming through and they're just trying to do something to basically show us that they're, they're going to try to do something. I don't know. But it was disappointing. And, and I have to say that. It was definitely disappointing. So we, we start out you know, with this, this good news about the appeals court. Appeals court overturns part of January 6th defendant's sentence. Some January 6th defendant's sentences had too much time tacked on. Why? Because the misapplication of this, you know, bogus, you know, interference with an official, uh, you know, um, official government proceedings, you know, law. An appeals court in Washington ruled that some January 6th defendant's sentences were improperly increased by judges during their sentencing phases. The U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C. Circuit ruled that January 6th defendant Larry Brock improperly had additional charges of interference with the administration of justice. Now, that's a new line that I've heard. Uh, the judge who wrote the court's opinion wrote that the charge doesn't apply to a sentencing enhancement and struck it down. Brock's challenges uh, both the district court's interpretation of Section 1512C2, which is the you know, interference with unofficial proceedings. So I don't know where this interference with administration of justice came from. That's a new word. Um, and, and, and the sufficiency of the evidence to support that conviction, wrote Judge Patricia Millette. 
The judge, who was appointed by President Barack Obama, Obama concluded that any interference with Congress's certification of the 2020 electoral votes isn't tantamount to a sentencing enhancement. Because Section uh, 1512 to uh, tax and context established that administration of justice does not extend to Congress's counting and the certification of electoral college's votes. The district court erred in applying uh, section 2J12B's three-level sentencing enhancement to Brock's section 1512 C2 conviction. The judge's signing with Mr. Brock wrote that Congress' function on January 6th was not judicial, but was only uh, was only a part of the 2020 presidential election process. Taken as a whole, the multi-step process of certifying electoral college votes, as important to a democratic system of government as, as it is, bears little resemblance to the traditional understanding of the administration of justice as the judicial or quasi-judicial investigation or termination determination of individual rights, the panel concluded. Now Mr. Brock's sentence under the statute will be vacated and will be remanded to the district court for resentence, resentencing according to Friday's order. But it's not clear whether Mr. Brock's sentence will be reduced or whether it will be applied to a number of other people who were charged with interference of the administration of justice related to the Capitol breach. However, the ruling could impact plea negotiations for future January 6th defendants who are charged with a felony. Dozens of January 6th defendants have been convicted and sentenced for interference in the administration of justice, according to data provided by the Department of Justice. It may mean that their prison, time in prison and other pe uh, penalties need to be reduced. The Justice Department, meanwhile, has often asked judges to apply the enhanced charges to defendants, saying that the congressional session on January 6th to count electoral votes and certify the election was the same as the judicial proceedings. I had never heard that before. That's that I never heard that. So now this this court, you know, appeals court has basically overturned the sentencing, not the convictions, the sentencing of a lot of January 6th political prisoners. So this kind of goes, you know, together with the Supreme Court's taking up the 1512, you know, interference in official proceeding that they're going to rule on in June. So again, the wheels are churning. That's good news because it will get some of the, our people out of jail sooner. But it's still wrong that they ever went through this process in the first place. And that's what we, we're fighting for. But the, 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 the tyranny continues. The, you know, the, the bottom line is this is intended to keep you and me from fighting the, the, the regime, from fighting the, our government that has been taken over by the Marxists. Th that's, that's what this is all about. Don't you dare fight back. Don't you work to you know, fight against Joe Biden in the election or Sherrod Brown or you know, these other Democrats. Don't you dare or we'll lock you up. And here's the proof. Always bring the receipts. Here are the charges that FBI slapped on a reporter with concern, uh, concerning his January 6th coverage. This is about... Um, the Blaze Media's Steve Baker. In, it's, um, it's March 1st, which means Blaze Media's Steve Baker had to surrender to the FBI. His charges, stories that either embarrassed or questioned the uh, prevailing narrative peddled by the Justice Department over the January 6th riot. Baker is the second reporter to be attacked for doing his job. The other would be former CBS News reporter Catherine Herridge, who was held, was held in contempt 
of court Thursday for not divulging her sources over a series of stories about Chinese-American scientists who came under federal investigation. Okay, and I'll talk more about that story later in the podcast. Um, but basically, what they've charged Steve Baker with is knowing, knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. Now, he's a news guy, right? He's a news guy. So what do you mean? He, he was in the building. CNN was in the building. Associated Press, they weren't charged. He was charged with disorderly and disruptive conduct in, re in a restricted building or grounds. That's baseless. He was reporting. He didn't do anything. Disorderly conduct in a Capitol building and parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. This is the same bull crap that they've charged all the January 6th uh, political prisoners who didn't do anything wrong, but they wanted to make up these charges. Uh, let's see. Baker's attorney, James Lee Bright, uh, said uh, that, you know, Baker has been in full compliance of whatever they've, you know, they've asked him to do, but they decided to arrest him now. Bright also said that the federal government, three plus years later, going after people who were legitimate functioning journalists that day, appears designed to have an absolute chilling effect that's what it's designed to do my question to glenn beck and to his audience i mean who has more power than glenn beck is what are you going to do about it glenn as i talked to you last week what are you going to do about it they just said screw you these charges are bogus i know it you know it the doj knows it the fbi knows it and we're going to arrest your reporter, and we're going to put him in shackles, don't you know? We're going to shackle his feet and his hands and do a photo op. And you're not going to do anything about it. And that's how they win. What are you going to do, Glenn? When are you going to say enough is enough? When are Glenn Beck followers going to say, no, no, you're not taking this guy? That's the challenge we face, folks, because, as I said last week, as long as you let them, they're going to keep doing it and more. And more! That's not enough of an insult, right? They can keep doing that? So, again, we're pressing people to do more, but we're not doing more. We're letting them, and I'm going to talk later in the show about the farmers in Europe who are doing real stuff. They're blocking roads. They're spraying government officials with manure, okay? And they're winning. Yeah, are we doing that? This was, I think, maybe a fallout from the meeting we had with Jim Jordan, the pressure you've been making, right? I know many of you go, I call these congressmen and they don't listen to me and blah, blah, blah. But it makes a difference. So what happened? Surprise! All of a sudden, House Speaker Mike Johnson announced Friday the release of 5,000 additional hours of video from the January 6th Capitol riot. Why did they do that? Why did they do it Friday? Why did they do it two weeks ago, a month ago? Yeah, maybe because you've been making the phone calls I asked you to make? Maybe because they've been asking you to make the demands, right? The additional video, equal to roughly 208 straight days of viewing, is being released by the House Administrative Oversight Subcommittee. House Republicans again commended Subcommittee Chairman Barry Loudermilk and the entire committee 
for their ongoing commitment to ensuring that there is full transparency surrounding the events of January 6th, Johnson said. Bullcrap, there isn't. Thank you for the 5,000 hours. Where's the other 35,000 hours? There seems to be more video in addition to what is being released Friday, with the administration committee vowing to continue to release the remaining footage online as expeditiously as possible so that it is accessible to every American. The link of the video is found here. I will link to this story, and you can watch the video. And we'll be doing analysis of the video, and we will cover you know, what they find. So we're not getting what we want yet. you got to keep grinding on them. You got to keep calling. You got to go to their office. You got to, you know, beat on their staff—not physically, verbally. You know, we want this done. We want the border closed. We want the J6 video. We want you to bring in the federal prisons people and and demand that they prove why they are doing what they're doing at January 6. But it's you, your effort that is making some difference, but it wasn't enough difference. It's nowhere near enough. Okay. But we're, we're moving in the right direction. So good job on that. I appreciate that. So now we got to get on to the, you know, the news of the week you know, after we've covered the January 6th stuff. And, and, and I wanted to you know, highlight this story because this really, really concerns me and it should really, really concern you. We know Donald Trump won South Carolina big, okay? But this is the story. And I set this out. And, and many of you, you know, came to our website at wethepeopleconvention.org and read it. No, 40% of Republicans did not vote against Trump in South Carolina. Obama operatives used Democratic voters to boost Haley and damage Trump. All right? Now, you need to read this whole article. I'm going to highlight some of it. President Trump resoundingly defeated Nikki Harry Haley in South Carolina primary last Saturday. Like clockwork, Haley, alongside with the nation's left-leaning media, media, began to crow that 40% of Republicans didn't pick Donald Trump. That was the message. That's what you, you heard last week. That's what your, your ill-informed, propagandized friends, relatives, co-workers heard. you got to correct that. The claim is based on Haley's vote share of 39.5%. But a look under the hood of the claim reveals it's an outright farce. Uh, here's a post from Adam Kinzinger, who's a complete scumbag. Last night, 40% of Republicans voted against Trump. Well, Haley dominated among South Carolina voters. Haley dominated among South Carolina voters who said that Democrat Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election. Roughly three-quarters of her supporters say Biden was the legitimately elected president in 2020, and four in 10 voted for Biden in that election. So four out of 10 of Nikki Haley's voters voted for Joe Biden, okay? So if she won 40% of the Republican vote, don't you know, but four out of 10, 40% of them voted for Joe Biden? Yeah, she only got like, 25% of the vote of Republicans. Does that make sense? Politico also admits a majority of every age Democrat, Democrat picked Trump over Haley. Men and women both backed Trump. Voters across all income ranges, ranges backed him. And he only narrowly lost college graduates while dominating among those without a college degree. <clears throat> Institutionally, Haley's overt efforts in turning out Democrats to damage Trump were aided by groups like Primary Pivot, 
and organizations staffed by Never Trump Inc. operatives who, from groups like the Lincoln Project and conceived by an Obama-era USAID operative called Kenneth Scheffler. Okay? Kenneth Scheffler. Uh, Primary Pivot, the name of this group, sent 200,000 text messages to South Carolinans who voted in the 2020 Democratic primary, urging them to sit out the Democratic primary tomorrow and vote for Nikki Haley in the GOP primary instead. Right? See see what the dog whistle? Here's here's the instructions. On the the runner-up to the primary... The entity was described by the anti-Trump dispatch website as targeting Democratic voters who did not vote in their president's primary, urging them to vote for Haley. The group has purchased ad time on radio stations in Charleston, Columbia, and Greenville markets geared towards black audiences. The efforts were hyped by ABC News, Fox, The Hill, the, uh, and Politico. Robert Schwartz, the co-founder of Primary Pivot, told the dispatch that the super PAC, together with its nonprofit arm, Primary Power, raised about 700000 before the New Hampshire primary and expects to have an additional three hundred to 400000 to spend on its efforts in South Carolina, Michigan, and multiple Super Tuesday states. And Georgia, the group has not disclosed its donors. We only care about damaging Donald Trump, Schwartz said. Okay, now... Here's my concern. They're going to do this in all the key states. Here in Ohio, our primary is March 19th. I am deathly scared that if they can move 15 of the vote, 15% of the total vote in South Carolina, you think they can't do that in your state? Folks, add 15% to the most left-wing, quote-unquote, Republican running in a congressional race, a state Senate race, a House race, running for, in our state, running for uh, U.S. Senate, and the Democrats get to pick your Republican candidate for November. Don't let the Democrats choose your Republican candidates. How? Well, listen up, Trump supporters. Listen up. Donald Trump needs the House and the Senate and state and local government to fight back this evil that has taken over our country. If we're going to deport 10 million or more illegal immigrants who are in our states and our country, you're going to need the help of the local sheriff, the local mayor, the governor, your state representatives, your congressmen. If you don't show up and vote in your primary, if you are a Trump supporter and you don't show up, you are betraying Donald Trump. Even though he's going to win hands down, we're going to talk about that next, that doesn't matter. The Democrats are counting on your apathy. Your goal needs to be to crush them, to make MAGA dominate your elections in your state. Because the Lincoln Project, the establishment Republicans, maybe even the Republican Party in your state, along with the Democrats, are trying to weaken it to make sure Trump can't succeed even if he wins. Go read this story at wethepeopleconvention.org. Then share it. Then learn from it. Then look for it in your state. Because I guarantee you, it's coming to you. Okay, 
So this was a fallout from the Nikki Haley disaster in South Carolina. The Koch Network withdraws financial support from Nikki Haley. Americans for Prosperity CEO said on Sunday, following the South Carolina primary, that the group's policy arm has decided to take stock of its campaign spending. Uh, basically, following the former South Carolina governor's performance in her home state, uh, AFP's Emily CEO Emily Seidel said on Sunday that they were going to stop funding her campaign. Uh, Seidel said that while AFP action stands firmly behind her their endorsement of Nikki Haley, it's time to take stock of where we stand, and as we always do, make sure we're optimizing our resources for maximum impact towards our goals. Meaning, we ain't going to support her. We stand firmly behind you, Nikki, but we're withdrawing the millions of dollars we've been giving you. She said the group would now turn its attention, listen to this, to, in, to its attention to competitive Senate and House races where we can make the difference in a tacit acknowledgement of President Trump's commanding support among the majority of voters in the primary. Do not support Americans for prosperity. They are not America first. They are globalists. And they're supporting a lot of Republicans. And a lot of Republicans are taking the support because they need their money. They want those mailers. But don't do it. Don't do it. The candidate that we have recruited to, to take back a blue 22 seat here in, in Portage County in Ohio, Heidi Workman, was AFP was going to support her. And then they said, well, you got to take down these... Uh, these you know, uh, posts on your Facebook page that say the election was stolen and that support Trump. And she said, go pound sand. And they're not supporting her. And we don't want her support, their support. Do not work with AFP. They are not the group they used to be 15 years ago when the Tea Party started. And the Kochs aren't our friends. But that's who was supporting you know, Nikki Haley and that's and that's what you know we got to be aware of, okay? So the good news is that you know Trump won in Michigan, which you know is you know not unexpected. It was not unexpected, and it's going to be even bigger on Super Tuesday. Former President Donald Trump won the Michigan primary on Tuesday as he continues to charge towards the GOP presidential nomination. The Associated Press called the race for Trump at nine. PM after the latest last polls close across the state, which is appropriate. They they keep tending to call the race before people are done voting. That's wrong. That's wrong. So I'm glad they waited till nine o'clock. Michigan has the Upper Peninsula, so this you know changes time zones. Um, uh, the election, New York Times election results showed Trump with 65.6 percent of the vote to Haley's 30.2 percent, with an estimated nine percent of the vote tabloid. The primary has 16 delegates to it, and the Michigan GOP State Convention Saturday will see its remaining 39 delegates awarded. Okay, so again, how many of that 30.2% of Haley's were Democrats? I don't know that yet, but, but I guarantee you a bunch of them were. A bunch of them were. So Trump moves on, and he's going to be the nominee, okay? And, he, and he's going to, uh, you know, He's got a good chance of winning because all the polls show him winning. But he's also winning in court. Important developments in two Trump legal cases, and now there's actually more Trump legal cases I can report on. 
The Supreme Court will hear Trump's presidential immunity appeal, further delaying the D.C. January 6th trial. Supreme Court granted Centore of former President Donald Trump's presidential immunity claim in the federal crimes case charging him for actions on January 6th. The presidential immunity defense has stalled the case for nearly three months and will miss the originally scheduled March 4th trial date. The higher court's decision automatically stays lower course for moving forward the case. This case will be set for oral arguments starting in the week of April 22nd. So now the D.C., you know, Chutkins, you know, the Jack Smith, you, you know, we didn't charge you with insurrection, oh, but we did charge you twice with obstructing the official proceedings with the bogus charge that, you know, the lawfare that Trump, you know, was guilty of instigating January 6th when it was really the FBI that instigated the Fed's erection. That's, that's on hold, and quite frankly, that ain't happening. So that's good news number one. Good news number two, the appeals court approved partial stay for Trump requiring $460 million to appeal. An appeals court stayed some penalties of former President Donald Trump's civil fraud judgment, but denied his request to delay enforcement of the monetary penalties. The court ordered arguments to be filed on March 18th, granting in the interim a stay of the judgment that would prohibit the defendants from serving as officers or directors of any New York businesses or any legal entity from being in a position or of financial control at any such entity or from applying for loans. In other words, the Trumps can run their business, is what the court said, until this appeals process gets worked through, but they still had to put up the money, okay? Still really bogus, but still a win for Trump. Then the Georgia case just imploded, literally imploded. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, okay, what's, what has happened there. And I'm going to talk about some details of that next. But the Florida docs case was really interesting because here's Jack Smith, who's really incompetent as hell. He's just a hitman. He's had his cases overthrown. His biggest cases have been thrown out by the Supreme Court 9-0, okay? Jack Smith is not very talented, but he's a hitman. And that's why they stick them on Donald Trump. Well, the case in Florida about the classified documents is just bogging down. And Smith is complaining, crying like a baby because the judge there is actually applying the law. That does not look like that will be heard before the election. But let's go to the, the, you know, the, the Fannie, you know, the whole crazy stuff with Fannie Willis because there was new information this week that is really, really disturbing that didn't get the coverage it needed to get that you really needed to know bombshell the biden administration planted an operative in fanny willis's office to target trump sources say this is from pj media there are brand new concerns about the biden administration's interference in the 2024 presidential election the fulton county district attorney's office admitted during a hearing last month that they had communicated with the Biden White House as it built its case to prosecute Donald Trump. That was curious enough. What? Why was Fannie Willis's, you know, prosecute uh, you know, attorney who's pr uh, prosecuting this uh, RICO case against Trump? Why did he go to the White House? What were they talking? Congress is trying to get those documents. So that was funny and strange enough. Now sources have since come forward to reveal that the Biden administration allegedly placed a Democrat operative into the Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's offices with the specific goal of targeting former President Trump. So not only did the White House and the Biden administration give money to Fannie Willis 
and her lover, which they stole and used for personal gain, and that's the whole blowing up. She's in two weeks, the judge is gonna rule. She can't, she's out of the case, and there should be charges against her for perjury, because they've proved that they've lied about their relationship. Okay? But again, it's always more to the story. Because you look at Fannie Willis and you go, she's a dumbass. I mean, how did this person get to be the one charging Donald Trump and eight other people, right, with a RICO charge of interfering with the election when she looks like she's dumb as a box of rocks and a diversity hire, okay? Well, the answer is because she was a useful idiot. The sources who spoke to Breitbart News on the condition of anonymity due to fear of retribution described the district attorney's office environment, environment as corrupt. One significant figure is overlooked in the Fulton County scandal concerning Fulton County prosecutor Fannie Willis and her alleged lover and fellow prosecutor Nathan Wade. Meet Jeff DeSantis, the county's deputy district attorney with professional experience far greater than the average county employee. Reports Wendell Hasbro at Breitbart, DeSantis worked on Willis's 2020 campaign, sources told Breitbart News, and was the former executive director of the Democratic Party of Georgia with extensive knowledge of campaign finance law. The sources say it was Jeff DeSantis who was directly colluding with the White House to target Trump. DeSantis did this, the source said. He's the one. He's the one pulling all the strings. He was the one that walled her off. He was in every important meeting. He is the brainchild behind this. This is connected to the White House. He said, DeSantis is the one pulling the strings of this whole thing. Everybody heard Fanny testify. It's no secret that she is not smart. That is how she sounds and acts every day. Anyone that has common sense knows that the White House has been involved in this prosecution, a source explains. This shouldn't just uh, happen, of course. She, Willis, was not going to prosecute the former president of the United States without the current administration's approval and assistance. DeSantis allegedly paid, played a pivotal role in the selection of the grand jurors for the Trump case, with the sources pointing to the use of voter registration data as a potential influencing factor. There's not one conservative person on that grand jury. Not one. So, so the good news is they picked a useful idiot, but because she was an idiot, they're going to throw her off the case and no other prosecutor is going to prosecute this case because it's bogus. What Congress needs to do and what they should push for is a special counsel to investigate this election interference by the White House creating, paying for. And there's another story about another Biden campaign aide or Democrat operative who was paid like $160,000 to help make this happen. Do you understand that Donald Trump has been right all along? All along. This is nothing but election interference. And folks, it's illegal as hell. And so we're not going to get a special prosecutor this year. We sure as hell better have one right out of the gates next year to investigate every one of these guys. And Mr. Uh, what's his name again? Mr. DeSantis? Yeah. Get your affairs in order, pal, because I hope to see you in shackles and in a federal penitentiary very soon. Very soon, Mr. DeSantis. 
because you're a criminal. And this is as un-American as it gets, folks, and we should all be outraged, absolutely outraged at what's going on. But this, there's just the evidence. And again, are you hearing that? Did you hear that news? Do you think your friends and relatives heard that news? We're going to link to it on our podcast page so you can get the actual article and share it. That's big news, folks. That's big news. So besides planting operatives to interfere with the election and doing lawfare to stop Trump, none of which has worked because we the people are not stupid. We can see through this, okay? And that's why Trump is going up in the polls. He's now winning in all seven uh, you know, uh, swing states, supposedly, swing states. He's winning in, in every way you can win. So what are they doing? They're trying to buy elections. We saw last week that Biden just said we're going to pay off another you know, $1.2 billion in student loans. Here, here's a gift. Vote for me. Well, this week, Joe Biden is paying college students to register voters before the election to do what? To vote for him. The federal government is going to pay college students to register voters before the 2024 election, Vice President Kamala Harris announced this week. The students will be paid through the Federal Work Studies Program, Harris said, during meeting with voting rights leaders, voting rights leaders on Tuesday. Yeah, they're voting rights. They're not for voting rights. They're for rigging elections. They're, they're rigging election leaders on Tuesday. We've been doing work to promote voter participation for students, she said. For example, we have under the Federal Work Study Program now allows students to get paid through federal work study to register people and to be nonpartisan poll workers. Oh, nonpartisan poll workers. Yeah, I bet they are. Oh, you can bet on that. Okay. Uh, Republican lawmakers and other conservatives have uh, expressed outrage at the taxpayer dollars being used to pay students to register voters. The White House has been, has been contacted to comment via email, but has said nothing. This is unacceptable, White House, Wisconsin Representative Byron Steele wrote an X. Uh, Democrats are now trying to use taxpayer dollars to get their vote out efforts. This is unacceptable. They're not trying to, Representative Steele. They're doing it. They're doing exactly what Stephen Miller said to Tucker Carlson. They know it's wrong. They're saying it in public. They held a press conference to say, we're going to screw you. Watch us. And you're going to go on X and say, that's unacceptable. How about if you assholes defund the worker, the, the uh, federal program, for work study, you got, they just passed a continuing resolution, don't you know, on Friday, because the government was going to shut down again for a week and another one for like three weeks, so like March 18th, where they have to fund all kinds of parts of the government. Guess what, Republicans? Guess what? Take their freaking money. And if you don't, you're not only a gutless bastard, you're dumb as shit. Excuse my language. I know some of you people get offended by that. Grow up, okay? Grow up. So that's what you got going. What are they going to do about it? But it's you know it just continues. This is the this is the Democrat way, don't you know? Gavin Newsom exempts Panera Bread from new minimum wage law that affects owner who donated. Well, what a surprise! You know the guy who's supposed to be. You know, the, the, the uh, Democrat savior, if Biden implodes, 
Gavin Newsom? Yeah, California Governor Nash, Gavin Newsom, who is considered a rising star in the Democratic Party, is under fire after a report this week revealed that he pushed for a special carve-out of the state's new $20 minimum wage law that affects businesses owned by one of his top political allies and donors. Bloomberg News reported that billionaire Greg Flynn was getting a new boost after his chain of Panera Bread locations were exempted from a new law that forces fast food restaurants to increase their minimum wage from $16 to $20 per hour. Flynn is the largest restaurant franchisee in the U.S., in the U.S., if not the world, reported Bloomberg. Panera Bread was spared from the law because it offered unusual exemption from chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item, the report states. So in other words, all you fast food and convenience food places have to raise your employees' pay from $16 an hour to $20 an hour, but... If you bake bread and sell it as a standalone item, you're exempted. Yeah, funny how that works. Well, why did that happen? I wondered why that happened. It says the report showed the numerous connections that the two men have, including going to the same high school. Flynn donating significant sums of money to Newsom's political campaigns. Flynn's allegedly bragging about his easy access to Newsom. And Flynn buying a resort managed by a company that Newsom owned. No, no conflict of interest there. No, 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 no conflict of interest there. See, because what Democrats do, that's okay for thee, but not for me. Got it? They don't want to live by the rules they want to impose on you. That's what the, the people who are indoctrinated don't understand, but it's the truth. And then there was some good news, and I've been tracking this for a while, and I'd like to hear from our many California viewers. We have many, many members who are from California, thousands, okay? This is about Steve Garvey, the former pitcher and, and, and you know, real hero, uh, who, a baseball legend, I, not hero, baseball legend. Garvey now in statistical time with Adam Schiff in California Senate race. Poll. Republican Adam, uh, Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat of California, and Republican candidate Steve Garvey are now in a statistical tie in California's nonpartisan Senate primary polling release Friday shows. The polls from the Institute of Government Studies at the University of California, Berkeley, found Garvey with 27% support and Schiff at 25%. Now, Representative Katie, Katie Porter, another Democrat, came in, in uh, with 19%, while Representative Barbara Lee, another Democrat, trailed with just 8%. Now, follow this, folks, for, if you're not from California. In California's nonpartisan primary system, which never should be put in place, which has made California a one-party state, Nonpartisan primary system, the two top two vote getters will be advanced to a runoff in November, regardless of party affiliation. So it's kind of like ranked choice voting in a way. Okay. The candidates are looking to fill the vacancy of Dianne Feinstein's vacancy, which is currently being filled temporarily by a pony appointee Lapalzona Butler. Schiff, who has been leading in other polling over the last few weeks, has appeared to try to elevate Garvey since spectators say a, a Democrat-Republican showdown would be easier for Schiff to win than a battle between the lawmakers in the same party. See what they're doing? So basically, okay, Garvey has 27%, Schiff has 25 the other woman has 19 and you know the other one has 8 
Well, when they go into November, that 19 and that 8 goes to Schiff, and, and Garvey doesn't win. But the way things are going, with Trump on the ticket, who knows? I sure would rather have Garvey in the election in November than not. I'd like to hear from you guys from California about how you read this. Is there really a chance to do something there? And boy, wouldn't it be great if the people, the Republicans in the Ohio and the U.S. House said, wouldn't it be great to censure Adam Schiff, to remove him from all his committees before the election like the left would do? Of course, no, we didn't do that. People like Ken Buck said, you know, we aren't going to do the kind of stuff like that. That's the Democrats would do. What are you going to do? Apparently, not much. Not wait, not much. So, here we are, guys. We're asking for Republicans to do something. Well, here you go. We can't wait. Speaker Johnson demands action on border during intense meeting. Okay? He says... House Speaker Mike Johnson has described reports that he was con confronted by congressional leaders during an intense meeting over the government funding and aid to Ukraine at the White House on February 27th as pretty accurate. Speaking to Fox News on February 28th, Mr. Johnson was asked by anchor Sean Hannity if there was any truth to the reports. The Republican lawmaker explained that he was definitely at odds with congressional leaders over the crisis at the southern border, among other issues during the meeting. Well, their reports are pretty accurate. They said that I was on an island by myself, and that was pretty much the truth. And that's and he said, but when you're uh, you know, when you're standing up for what the people want, you're pretty much on an island if you're in Washington D.C. And that's what I did yesterday. I reminded the president and all involved that the number one issue in America is the open border, the catastrophe that we have, that President Biden himself designed, that he caused and created. And I told him, just as I have many times before, he must address it with executive authority. We can't wait any longer, Mr. Johnson added. Mr. Johnson was joined by congressional leaders, including Senate Majority Chuck Schumer, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, during the February 27th meeting with President Biden and Vice President Harris at the White House. Okay? Now, Chuck Schumer said it was the most intense meeting he's ever been at. And Mike Johnson, to his credit, said, boy, I'm not stupid. Every poll shows that the number one issue, Democrat, Republican, Independent, is illegal immigration and Boy, I probably shouldn't be for letting more people in. Good job, Mike. And so you know what? You can't give in. You don't let it come to the floor unless Biden acts. You force him to act. And if he doesn't act, you don't do it. You don't pass another CR. You don't fund the government. You're right there. Mike Johnson, you did the right thing. All of you listening to this, call your representatives and say, support Mike Johnson. There is, if the border isn't closed, the government isn't open. Got it? If the border isn't closed, the government isn't open. Every one of you this week must contact your Republican representative to say, support Speaker Johnson. This is the hill to die on, folks. 
If you want to win in November, if you're a Republican and you want to win in November, this is the hill you die on. Make that clear to them. And so, you know, when, when he's telling Biden, you got to, you know, you got to stop the border invasion. This poll comes out that really surprised all of us. Trump was right. Left was wrong. Majority of Americans want a wall. A new poll shows that the majority of Americans now support a wall on the southern border as the issue of legal immigration intensifies ahead of the 2024 election. A Monmouth University poll released Monday shows that 53% of Americans now support building a wall on the southern border with Mexico. 46% still oppose it. Send all the illegals to where they live. Send all the illegals to where they live. Four years ago, in 2019 poll, only 42% of Americans supported the idea. Now it's 53%. The poll shows that 86% of Republicans support a border wall. Jeez, shouldn't Republicans in the House then probably vote to keep, you know, to close the border against all else? Yeah, 86%. Is that enough for you? Okay, but also 58% of independents who might cross over and vote for you. Isn't that enough for you? Only 17% of Democrats support this idea because they're anti-American Marxist fools. The, uh, let's see. The poll uh, issue polls 15 points higher among Democrats and independents as it did in 2019 and 14% higher among Republicans. So even among de- Democrats, 15% more have now seen the light and understand that this needs to happen. So Trump was right. They were wrong, as usual, but do something. Don't just talk. Don't post on X. The border has to be closed or the, uh, or the government won't be open. It's that simple. And so, here you go. Why is that? Jeez, why? National security, right? It's a national security. Funding Ukraine is a national security issue, don't you know? Oh, well, yeah. You think Chinese nationals crossing the border of Maine? might be a a national security issue you think you might want to do something about that maybe well let's read about it the southern border is a catastrophe thanks to joe biden's deliberate dereliction of duty while everyone has been noticing the u.s mexico border uh problems guess what is happening the northern border is now compromised as well the u.s northern border is slowly becoming an issue as it turns out illegal aliens are crossing the u.s border with canada at historically high numbers Pre-Biden America, the number of alleged uh, illegal aliens entering the country at the northern border was minuscule. The numbers are still low, comparatively speaking, with the southern border, but it should raise a red flag. A group of four Chinese nationals was arrested by Border Patrol as they tried to sneak into Maine from Canada. A Chinese national living in New York helped them out. Apparently, he was driving there somewhere and was stopped for suspicious activity. He was already identified as crossing the southern border he's in new york okay and he's he's a chinese national who's an illegal immigrant and he gets caught aiding other chinese illegally crossing the united states why wasn't he deported the next day why is that it is, a rare, it is rare to find chinese nationals apprehended at the northern border it's also used to be rare to see them at the southern border most are young men of military service age. Get the numbers. The number of Chinese nationals who sought to enter the U.S. in 2021 was 450. The number is on an uptick. In 2022, the number was more than 2,000. 
2023, the number escalated to more than 24,314. And oh, by the way, since October, October, November, December, January, 18,750 encounters have happened. Why are we not finding them and locking them up and interrogating? Why are they here? And I don't want to hear, oh, we just don't know. That isn't good enough, is it? If we have, now we're talking close to 50,000 military-aged Chinese men in our country. But we're not going to do anything about that. Your local sheriff's not doing about that. Your state attorney general's not doing about that. Your Republican governor's not doing anything about that. We're just going to let them run around. Oh, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. And so before we wrap up the first half of the show, I, I just want to just make it very clear that the Republicans are actually funding the border invasion. You heard me right. Go to the, our website at wethepeopleconvention.org and read the story, UN is behind the chaos at the U.S.-Mexico border. Why are elected representatives giving $1.3 billion of our tax dollars to the U.N. agencies that are funding the, in the illegal invasion of our nation? And I ask you to call your representatives. Right on that page, it says, here's a link to get their phone numbers. Call your representatives, your Republicans say, why are you funding this $1.23 billion that you're giving the UN that they are using to invade our country. That is line item. It's out. In the next two weeks, it's out. See if they can do it without our tax dollars. This is how stupid we are. The former director of Panama's Border Patrol told the Epoch Times that the United Nations migration agenda is behind the chaos at the U.S. southern border and that UN partners are making things much worse not better, okay? And she, he goes on, you can read the story yourself, but documents show that in 2023, a record 500,000 migrants traveled through the dense jungle known as the Darien Gap from Colombia to Panama. Migrants from around the world are flying into South and Central America to start their journey because countries such as uh, Ecuador don't require a visa to enter. Their final destination is the United States. The book, Weaponizing Mass Migration, Forced Displacement, Coercion, and Foreign Policy, written by Ke Kelly Greenhill, suggests that weaker countries are using migration to destabilize their more powerful adversaries. Story this week, crime in Venezuela is down 22%. You know why? Because all their gang members are in the United States where crime is up dramatically in our cities and states. We're funding it. We, with our tax dollars, the Republicans are saying, oh, that's okay. Yeah, we, we, we want to fund the UN. Really? Scream at them. Demand. It's going to happen right now, next two weeks. Part of close the border, Joe, right? Mike Johnson saying close the border, Joe, with executive action. That's not good enough. Make them comply. How? By defunding the UN agencies that are facilitating this. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not even really that bright. But I've got common sense. And pretty clear to me, the first thing you should do is stop 
helping the people who are trying to destroy you. Basic concept. I hope you've enjoyed the first half of the podcast. Got more in the second half of things that you need to know about that affect you. But you certainly got some good ass in this first half of the show. You certainly got to get in conversation with your congressmen, even if they're Democrats. Put the pressure on them. Make them feel it. Make them know that they're at risk, politically at least, at risk because of their actions. And I'll have a story at the end of the podcast to talk a little bit about how this is all undermining democracy around the world. All right, we're going to take a little break. You've been watching the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast, and my name is Tom Zawistowski, and we'll be back after these brief messages. The We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button. And if you click it, it'll actually download the, po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If, you, if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much, but there's our podcast playing, and you can see this little you know, download button. Okay. The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What, you know, something was wrong or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories, that, to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can, you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcasts on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you know, uh, you know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share, you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family. You can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. If you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support, but uh, you can do whatever you want. So, so we ask that you share 
what uh, you see on our We the People convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday. And in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right. And, uh, you know, like I said, in that, you know, commercial, you know, we are about, you know, not just talk, but action. And, and I, you know, last week I made a big, strong plea for you guys to up your game in all our states and to try to get people to do things that really hurt the left. And we talked about the boycott against New York State and New York City. And I got a great email from Laura uh, who said, I just opened an account with Old Glory Bank. As soon as I get my direct deposits transferred to them, it's closing time for Chase Bank. That's the spirit. Thank you, Laura, for doing that. Write to me and tell me what you're doing. What are you doing? You can't worry about what everybody else is doing. Now, I know I talk about what everybody else should be doing, but really, we only have control of our own actions. What are you doing to hurt the left, to defend President Trump, to defend the January 6th political prisoners? What are you doing? It's up to us. If we want our freedom, we must fight for it. That's the reality. But I do appreciate, you know, all of you who donate. And if you can, please do. But that's not all. A key thing is, if we're doing these asks, right, about Congress, about the border supporting Mike, uh, you know, Johnson and things like that, that I just asked you to do, well, the more people who hear this podcast, the more people who will act, the more power we have. That's why I need you to tell people about this podcast. It's, you know, Again, it, does, it doesn't cost us really much more for more people to listen once we produce it. It's only smart, okay? So you can give, but you've got to share this podcast. And our chapters player, you can just share specific stories with people. Our new chapters video player and the links I put on our podcast page. So, you know, that's important. And then, you know, besides telling people about it, you've got to act on the ass, Right? you got to take action. All right, so let's get into it, you know, uh, with uh, some more important stories, all right? So what's the deal? Ukraine, the funding, there's still no funding. Congress went, House, you know, went on a two-week break, okay, to delay the funding bill. And so now what do we hear? U.S. to outsource weapons production with stockpiles rapidly depleted by Ukraine. What the heck? The United States is set to begin outsourcing some weapons production to countries like Australia, Japan, Poland, and India after the military stockpiles have become dangerously low from supplying munitions to Ukraine and Israel, among other nations. Australia, specifically, will soon become a major supplier of artillery shells and multiple guided missiles for the U.S. military. The move to outsource U.S. weapons production directly contradicts claims by the Biden government and your congressmen and senators and Republicans 
that military aid for Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel would serve to boost U.S. manufacturing jobs, but apparently not. Uh, the Biden government has downplayed foreign weapons production as lawmakers in Capitol Hill have continued to debate a $95 billion foreign military aid supplement funding package. President Joe Biden and his Democrat allies in Congress have insisted the legislation would serve as a boom, a boom for U.S. domestic manufacturing. Really? We're going to outsource our military shells and missiles to Australia. Why? Why? Because we don't put America first. Because we don't give a damn about you and jobs. How much good pay would be working in a munitions factory be? How many would you like to have a munitions plant come to your state, your county? I sure as hell would. Hell, I think I'd like to work at one. At least I'd feel like I'm doing something to defend America. Oh, well, but we're going to send that to Australia. Oh, good. Yeah, good. This is what liars they are, folks. And then let's talk about the Middle East, where, where you know, th they're saying we must give aid to the uh, Palestinians, which there are none, right, to the people in, in Gaza because they're starving to death. Except every time you send in aid, right, Hamas steals it. And there's a video out there that shows a riot that Hamas created around aid trucks so they can control the food. So what's the Biden administration going to do? They're talking about they're going to airdrop the food into Gaza. Yeah, who do you think is going to get that? The Biden administration is directly aiding and abetting Hamas and Iran and the rest of them. And they're doing nothing to defend our national security interests, such as commerce through the Red Sea. I put this story on our podcast, on our webpage. Okay, hold on a second, wrong story. Okay, Hutus not deterred by, I'm sorry, Hutus not deterred by our airstrikes. And I'm trying to figure out, well, if that's not working, why isn't it working? Well, it's because we aren't being serious. Joe Biden isn't Donald Trump. That's the bottom line. Four underwater communications cables between Saudi Arabia and Dubai were struck, uh, stuck out of commission in the recent months. Attacks by the Iranian-backed Hutus are, are widely considered to have damaged cables believed to be belong to the AE, AEI-1, SECOM, Europe, India Gateway, and TGN Systems. The knocked-out marks serious disruption in communications between Europe and Asia, while the immediate harm will be felt by the Gulf states and India. So they're actually blowing up undersea cables, and it seems like the Hutu leadership is not really deterred by the U.S. strikes. Dr. Ellie Karman, a senior researcher at the Institute of Counterterrorism at Reichman University, analyzed the recent wave of American-British strikes on Hutu targets in Yemen and said they're just not working. United States Central Command, CEDCOM, on Monday morning reported that two one-way attacks, unmanned aerial vehicles were shot down in the south, southern Red Sea area, uh, which occurred the night before. In addition, they confirmed that the Iranian-backed Hutus launched on Saturday an anti-ship ballistic missile likely targeting an American-flagged and owned commercial vessel in the Gulf of Aden. They're not stopping, folks, because we're not doing enough to hurt them. And you know what we're not doing enough to do? We're not doing enough to hurt Iran because the Hutus don't have 
poo-poo if the Iranians don't give it to them. And they're giving it to them because Joe Biden and the Marxists who hate America gave Iran not just a $6 billion loan that we all claim they shouldn't give them and fought against last fall, but the oil money. They've made hundreds of millions of dollars in oil money that they're using to do what? Attack our ally Israel and our ships and British ships and stop corp, uh, you know, commerce in the Red Sea. It ain't working because we're weak and we're, we're, we're just not doing what needs to be done. Now, you know, other big news this week that you guys, you know, heard and kind of were pretty excited about, but I'm not sure we should be all that excited. Mitch McConnell announced he's stepping down as Senate Republican leader in November. Well, isn't it interesting, you know, that he's, he's not uh, stepping down until November, right? Because we sure as hell want to make sure that we do everything we can to stop Trump in the election. So Mitch McConnell is going to stick around in November so he can control the money the Senate uses to help certain candidates. And oh yeah, and not help certain candidates. Yeah, which candidates are those, Mitch? Which candidates are those? So I'm not too excited that he's stepping down in November. Why not now? He's already had some Joe Biden syndromes. There was just a video last week of him at a podium like a deer in headlights, unable to speak. The man has serious mental impairments. Why not now, Mitch? How can you call for Joe Biden to step down when you won't, Republicans, right? So it looks like John Thune from South Dakota, who's second in charge, is the kind of the heir apparent to this. And while he's endorsed President Trump, Thune is not MAGA. He sure isn't America first. He's a swamp creature. So you think we're going to get somebody like Mike Lee or, you know, good for, heaven forbid, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz? Yeah, fat chance. Fat chance. Because the fix is in. So don't get too excited because uh, I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of change there. And then, you know, this was a, a, a big news story that was a non-news story, and we knew it would be a non-news story. Hunter Biden finally testifies, issues statement. And Gop says his testimony contradicts other witnesses. The bottom line is a big nothing burger. Big nothing burger. So that's why I didn't give it you know, any time on our website like that. The House Oversight and House Judiciary Committees finally managed to get Hunter Biden to testify behind closed doors on Wednesday. But before he testified, he issued a statement that is pretty typical of the ever-changing nonsensical spin that the Bidens have spread throughout the scandal. They keep playing word games as what they say is debunked. They revise what they said and then pretend like they always said it. What does that mean? Hunter claimed he did not involve my father in my business. So just ignore all those emails, his father's meeting with business associates on golf courses and restaurants, Hunter taking those business associates to have pictures with his dad, the vice president Biden having dinner at Cafe Milano with some of them. We're just supposed to pretend we didn't see all that. and It didn't mean anything because Hunter said... My dad wasn't involved in my business. Forget that Joe Biden didn't tell the truth when he said he had never spoken with Hunter about his business dealings. Forget all that. Nothing to see here. Okay? So, again, the, the process is the punishment. You know, I, I've got to say I was surprised that Biden didn't take the fifth. You know, that was a, probably a smart strategic move by them. Because, again, most people think if you plead the fifth, you're guilty. So he didn't take the fifth. He just lied. Okay? And... I guess he's got nothing to lose. So it was a nothing burger. 
you know, important to have these hearings because they're building the evidence to impeach Joe Biden, and the time to impeach Joe Biden would be like, oh, right before the election. That'd be a good time to do that. Now, we talked in the the beginning of the podcast about uh, the FBI arresting the uh, reporter Steve Baker from uh, Blaze for January 6th. And they, and then I mentioned Catherine Herridge from CBS. But this is really an interesting story that I haven't given much attention to, but I do think you should be tuned into it because it does affect your individual freedom, liberty, prosperity. Because freedom of the press is, is really at stake here. And they're claiming that Donald Trump's going to be a dictator when they're doing what? They're, they're locking up journalists. They're, they're attacking journalists. CBS News documents fiasco over Catherine Herridge's confidential files isn't over. Last week, CBS News took the unprecedented steps of seizing Catherine Herridge's confidential files after the journalist was uh, among those terminated in Paramount's mass layoffs, supposedly for the financial reasons. Herridge was reportedly working on a story about the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. It was a chilling development concerning the surprising fires of Herridge, who's one of the top people at CBS. She's one of the top reporters there are. The network tried to assuage the uproar by saying the files have been kept secure and will be returned soon. On Monday, those files were picked up by Herridge's union representative, right? So the union said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, our contract says that when you fire someone, those confidential files are theirs. So what was going on there? And at the same time, U.S. District Court uh, Judge Christopher Cooper in Washington held veteran investigative reporter Catherine Herridge in contempt and ordered a fine of $800 a day until she reveals her sources for a 2017 story, which was she did while she was at Fox News. Cooper claimed he recognized the paramount importance of free speech in our society. He also claimed he understands the confidential sources are vital to investigative journalism, but still he's going to hold her in contempt and penalize her. So, uh he understands. The fiasco centered around Yang Ping Chen, the subject of Heritage's story at Fox News in 2017. Heritage's investigation examined alleged ties between Yen and her husband uh, at a taxpayer-funded school, the University of Management and Technology, to the Chinese military. FBI sources revealed the information to Heritage, including other information that troubled the DOJ, Pentagon, ICE, and Naval Criminal Investigative Services, so they want to know who leaked the story to her. Yeah, but funny how they never want to know who leaked those stories to the New York Times about Donald Trump. Who leaked the confidential stories about all the Republicans? You know, that you, that, how about Brett Kavanaugh and stuff during the uh, hearings? They, they apparently don't want to hold anybody at the New York Times or the Washington Post responsible for that, right? We're not, we're not concerned about them, but oh yeah, the guy for the blaze who was there reporting, you're going to charge him with insurrection, right? Or not the word real insurrection, but being part of the insurrection by their, you know, their words. And you're going to charge Catherine Harris, but Donald Trump's going to be a dictator. Yeah, Donald Trump's going to control the media. Wow. This will just make you totally sick, but we can say we told you so because we told you so. Federal judge rules that Congress violated the Constitution when it passed the $1.7 trillion spending bill that Nancy Pelosi jammed through. Okay? House Speaker, and then Speaker, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was instrumental 
and implementing the proxy voting rule in 2020, citing the outbreak of COVID-19 as justification. So if you remember, the creepy criminal Democrats said, oh, there's COVID, so you don't have to come to Congress to vote, even though the people pay you to do that. And policemen and, and ambulance workers and nurses have to go to work, but you don't have to go to work. And you know what? You can just call another member of Congress and they can vote for you. Well, that's not true. It's not legal, okay? And so, so uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. U.S. District Judge Jesse, James Wesley Hendricks, an appointing federal president Donald Trump, issued a memorandum opinion order on February 27th, finding that lawmakers violated the Constitution's quorum clause when in December of 2022, they passed the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, the largest ever spending package in U.S. history. Judge Henry said that you couldn't have people come in and vote, or not come in and get their votes counted because the Constitution says that you have to show up. We said that. Texas said that. Well, guess what? All the money's already gone. What's the penalty? Yeah, the Democrats stole $1.7 trillion. $1.7 trillion. They knew it was illegal. They did it anyway. What are you willing to do? What, is, what are Republicans willing to do to stop them? Because that's what they're willing to do to defeat us. And they did it. How's that for big... Finger, middle finger, right? Nancy Pelosi with her giant gavel. She's going to stick it right up your butt, and she did, because we are gutless wonders. The Republicans, not Republicans, they're Republicans. They can't do anything. But geez, when the Democrats are a minority, they can do everything. When the Democrats are in the majority, they can do illegal things. But when we're in the majority, like we've been in the House, Oh, we can't do anything. We don't have the votes. Don't you, don't you know? Don't you know? Because they're Republicans, not Republicans. Okay? This is another story that will make you sick to your stomach, but you've got to know the, the truth, okay? This is uh, about college. Half of college graduates working at high school-level jobs. Study finds nearly half of U.S. college graduates working high school-level jobs, jobs. Yeah, that's worth borrowing $50,000 to go to school and loans, right? A new study confirmed that almost half of America's college graduates are working in high school-level jobs. The study, published February 22nd, also found that 52% of college graduates are underemployed a year after graduation. The study, a collaborative effort by Burning Glass Institute and Strata Institute of the Future of Work, confirmed the trend reported in other studies that employers are increasingly turning to factors other than college degrees to determine competency because they're not competent. They're indoctrinated. While most see college degrees as a bridge to economic opportunity and upward mobility, the study said that some are calling into question whether higher, higher education is delivering on that promise. Despite what it seems statistically as a robust labor market, the study confirmed that 52% of college graduates are underemployed. After 10 years, at 10 years after graduation, 45% of college graduates remain, remain underemployed. 
Julius Lamar, Senior Vice President of Advocacy and Corporate Social Responsibility for the American Student Association, believes this is further proof that college degrees are not as valuable to the typical college student as they are being led to believe. In fact, 72% of surveyed employers said that they found a bachelor's degree to be an unreliable way of assessing the quality of a candidate and are looking for ways to better evaluate actual skills of a prospective employee rather than a degree type, she told the Epoch Times. Moreover, she said, a November 2023 study showed that 71% of young people in non-degree pathway programs perceived that they are workplace ready when employers find that they are not. Yeah, another reason for your kids to think about, maybe we shouldn't go to college. What do you think? Maybe we shouldn't go? This is uh, not going to surprise you, but you need to be aware of this. Hollywood is crafting a new climate change narrative. Climate change affects every aspect of our lives, which means it was only a matter of time before mainstream program began reflecting this, said the Rolling Stones writer. Oh, you can count on the Rolling Stone to tell you the truth, don't you? Yeah, they haven't been wrong about anything except for everything, including climate change. According to analysis by Norman Lear Center's Media Impact Project, and Good Energy, which supports TV and film creators in telling compelling and accurate climate stories, less than 3% of films and TV scripts from 2016 to 2020 mentioned climate-related terms. However, the Good Energy team shared with me that in 2024 is emitting a different frequency, and they're seeing an upswell in appetite for climate representation from individual writers and filmmakers to studios and production companies. Their dream scenario has a greater impact on the systematic level within Hollywood for climate representation to become the norm. Right now, this appears far more attainable than ever. Okay? So what they're doing is they're promoting writers of TV shows and movies to make them climate stories. Accurate ones, right? The lies, they want to promote the lies. And they said... Businesses can follow suit for organizations wanting to amplify their environmental efforts, promoting stories of optimism and teamwork is vital. In addition to getting more buy-in from its shareholders and their staff, this will make ESG, environmental, social, and governance programs, more relatable and possibly garner more attention from investors. As Ernst & Young relays, uh, the, Ernst & Young says, sustainability is everybody's business. Yeah, except it's not. Because what this will do, if they make more climate live films, they will lose billions of dollars more. So go ahead, keep doing that. Because there was a story that came out this week that is really important and relates directly to their stupid efforts in the Rolling Stone. BlackRock admitted that its ESG's uh, goals are a fool's errand, has created significant risks to its financial, regulatory, and legal standing. If BlackRock, it said, BlackRock said in their filing, if BlackRock is not able to successfully manage ESGA-related expectations across various stakeholders' interests, it may adversely affect BlackRock's reputation, ability to attract and retain clients, and attract employees, shareholders, and business partners as a result in litigation, legal, or governmental action, which may cause it harm uh, and cost revenue and earnings decline. This is, this is BlackRock. And as even the Harvard Business Review has noted, ESG funds certainly perform 
poorly in financial terms, and to boot, ESG funds don't seem to deliver better ESG performance either. So, prior to, so prioritizing ESG is nothing more than a woke virtual signal that is not only fails to perform well for investors, but also doesn't use the results ESG claims to pursue. Yeah, so how dumb is that? It's about as dumb as you can get. And so these movie clowns, when Disney and all these other movie producers can't produce any movies that produce any revenue, are now going to go even further in the hole because they're not getting the message that even BlackRock is getting. After getting shellacked by conservatives for pursuing ESG uh, goals, BlackRock told the SEC that it could be criticized for the scope or nature of its initiatives or goals or for revisions thereto, and as such, initiatives or goals may be difficult or costly to implement, may not advance at the anticipated pace, or be accomplished within the announced time frame or at all. The worries about being able to move ahead with ESG initiatives is certainly a direct result of conservative-led pushback from Americans and the investors whose money BlackRock seeks to wield, including state attorney generals and state pension funds. You did that. We saw the damage ESG. We said, geez, I'm giving money to this company who's supposed to invest it wisely to give me the maximum return on my investment. That's our legal contract with them. Instead, they were investing our money in stupid, failed green energy companies and other woke joke corporations and violating their contract with us. And so state attorney generals took notice. And now BlackRock and, and all the other big you know, investment firms they're taking notice too because they're getting their butts kicked in court. ESG is another go woke, go broke. And your fighting back is helping to end it. God bless you guys. God bless you. But this is what we're up against. And this is the stuff that you gotta, you gotta see. What won't they do? What won't they do? You won't believe this. Indiana Republicans moved to let Democrats kick any Republican attorney general off the ballot. Read that again. Indiana Republicans moved to let Democrats kick any Republican attorney general off the ballot. This is from, uh, see, Frontline Magazine, I think. Okay? So here it is. Here's the story. If I can find the beginning of the story. Hold on one second. Okay. The amendment would bar from appearing on Hoosier ballots... Any candidate for attorney general who within one year of the election has been disbarred or suspended from his law license without an automatic reinstatement. Law license challenges have since 2020 become a political tool, another form of lawfare for Democrats to deny their political opponents legal representation. Multiple Democrats pressure groups such as the 65 Project and Lawyers Defending Democracy, what a lie that is, now exist specifically to harass, intimidate, and force potentially tens of thousands of dollars of representation costs on their political opponents for constitutionally protected free speech. This means any Republican attorney general is at high risk of an ethics complaint unless he represents no challenges to Democrat policies, don't you know? Multiple attorneys and hundreds of attorneys nationally have already faced ethic challenges. Half of sitting Republican attorney generals, including Indiana's AG Todd Rokita, have faced such charges. 
Rikita, who competes with U.S. Senate Mike, uh, Senator Mike Braun for Indiana's most conservative statewide elected official, is part of the phalanx of state attorney generals taking on President Joe Biden and major constitutional cases, like the one we did with the $1.7 trillion they spent illegally. Okay, The lawyers representing Rokita in his ethic complaints also recently faced an ethic complaint from the same person who filed the complaint against Rokita, said Rokita spokesman Benjamin Fierdow. Okay, so here are these lawyers, what they're doing, the Democrats are trying to do is make it impossible for you to access lawyers. They're, so here we are at the beginning of the podcast. I'm saying we must restore the rule of law to restore America. Democrats are actively working to deny you even access to lawyers so that you can try to implement the law. And Republicans are letting them. I don't know how many stories I've covered in the last year, you know, from Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, John Huntsman, all these great lawyers who are being disbarred and losing their license to practice because the Democrats said, you challenged the election, which is perfectly legal. How many Democrats have you seen brought up for ethics charges because they supported Hillary Clinton or supported the Russia-Russia hoax? How, how many attorneys have you seen? There were lawyers. How come Republicans haven't gone after them? Oh, well, we don't control the state bar. It's mostly you know, controlled by Democrats. Well, what, they're trying to do this as a state entity. They're trying to make it so you can't participate as attorney general. So why don't we use our state you know, representatives, House and Senate, to pass laws saying that Democrats can't run? Right? you got to up your game. you got to up your game. This is all about the Indiana Amendment would give an unelected, abortion-friendly state commission the power to determine who Hoosiers can select as an attorney general, taking the power away from voters. Okay, the Indiana Supreme Court Disciplinary Commission proceeds that proceedings are secret, although its conclusions are not. The commission recently revealed its susceptibility to politicization by disciplining their state attorney general, Rikita, for speaking accurately and within legal ethic boundaries about an abortionist who committed an abortion on a 10-year-old rape victim and talked about it to reporters before the child was even out of the hospital, say the legal documents. Although Rakita settled the complaint by agreeing not to contest it and pay $250, he immediately was slapped with another now pending uh, 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 challenge from this unelected body about another case involving abortion. An unelected body is doing this. That's how they roll, folks. That's what we're fighting. It's not an illusion. And if you think you're going to win by not fighting just like that, then you're a fool. You're delusional. You're not going to beat the Nazis by not bombing Dresden. You're not going to beat the Japanese by not dropping the nuclear weapon. Understand? There is some good news, though, okay? Globally, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. Farmers are in revolt. And Europe's climate policies are crumbling. Welcome to the age of a new word, Greenlash. Brussels is ditching green measures as EU leaders panic over rural protests, upcoming elections, and the threat of the far right. 
Okay, we're the far right, by the way. That we're the threat. Yeah. Ursula von der Leyen surrendered to angry farmers last week faster than you could shake a pitchfork or dump a tractor load of manure outside the European Parliament. The European Commission president expected to announce her candidacy for a second term heading the EU executive next week, told lawmakers that the commission was withdrawing a bill to have the use of chemical pesticides by 2030 and would hold more consultations instead. Uh, von der Leer's sudden U-turn on one of the, her signature policies was just an attempt to defuse a spreading con continent-wide rural revolt over rising fuel costs, burdensome environmental regulations, retailers' price squeezes, and cheap imports. It's also a sign of growing panic among the EU's mainstream parties over the seemingly inexhaustible, inexorable rise of the far-right nationalists ahead of the June elections. So there's just tons of elections coming up. EU leaders tried to take another contentious issue off the table by agreeing in December on a long-stalled immigration pact that includes stricter extremist uh, external border controls, faster procedures for processing asylum seekers, and expelling those who, whose applications are rejected, and sharing the burden uh, of the refugee crisis among EU, EU countries. Both populists, such as the Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, continued to rail against being forced to choose between admitting unwanted migrants and paying for other countries to take them in under the new system. I have seen, the story writer of this, I have seen unpublished opinion polling conducted by, for the European Parliament in January that showed uh, Eurosceptic sovereignists or populist parties have taken the lead in eight of the 27 EU members and are in second place in four more. Moreover, moreover, the countries where the far right is polling most strongly, including those with the most seats in the legislature, Germany, France, Italy, Poland, Romania, and the Netherlands. This is getting scary, and events such as the farmer's furor are playing into the hands of populists such as Francis Marie Le Pen, who almost won the last French election. They're fighting back, folks. They're blocking highways. When's the last time we blocked a highway in the United States except for the environmental wackos who do it all the time and nothing happens to them? When's the last time we dumped a load of manure, okay, on a, a government building to say this stinks and you stink and we won't put up with it. Ladies and gentlemen, they're fighting in France and in Germany and in Poland and in the EU and the Netherlands. Are we fighting here? Are we really fighting here? I'm certainly asking myself. I'm certainly asking you. And you certainly be, ought to be asking yourself. So I found this article to be very interesting. Global survey reveals waning appeal of democracy because politicians don't listen. I don't think any of you would disagree with that, would you? A survey by the Pew Research Center shows a decline in the appeal of representative democracy caused primarily by the refusal of politicians to listen to their supposed constituents. Data from 24 democratic nations revealed a median of 77% of respondents viewed representative democracy as a good system of governments, but a medium of 59% expressed dissatisfaction with its functioning. So we believe in the concept of democracy, of a representative republic, okay? But we don't think it's working. This represents a decrease in satisfaction compared to the country's survey in 2017. Approximately, uh, let's see, 
approximately 74% of respondents believe that elected officials disregard the perspectives of ordinary citizens. This number rises to a whopping 83% in the United States and 85% in Spain. Sweden appears to be the only nation where a majority of residents believe elected officials care what they think. And I'll link to this story because it's a, a nice chart that shows all these countries, right? And it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, we're failing miserably. The survey's release comes at a critical time with over 50 nations preparing for elections this year, accounting for half the global population. This is the tipping point, folks. This is the tipping point between tyranny and liberty, between individual freedom and liberty and prosperity, and you're a slave of the state. You only exist to serve your rulers. However, this period also witnesses an escalating tide of support for more authoritarian forms of government with support for strong leaders devoid of court or legislative restrictions rising in eight of the surveyed countries since 2017. This is the danger. People are claiming, the left wants to claim that Donald Trump's going to be a dictator because they're the dictators. Barack Obama violated the law over and over. Eric Holder is a criminal, okay? As attorney general, he's a criminal. There was no law that he wouldn't violate to do what? To rule over you, to enslave you, to take away your rights. And the Biden administration is full of these Obama Marxists. Joe Biden's not running anything. He's a figurehead. And again, I, I want to share this with you guys because you're, you're all you know, saying, oh, Michelle Obama. And I talked about this last week. You know, the Michelle Obama's going to be in to replace Joe Biden. No, he's not. No, she's not. She has no interest in this. It's too much like work. She's fat and happy, literally, in her millions of hundreds of millions of dollars that they stole. Why does she want to get in this mess? But you know who you need to look out for? This name came up this week. That sounds pretty damn interesting. Susan Rice. She is a cold-blooded Marxist murderer. Susan Rice will look you right in the face and kill you. Barack Obama. Susan Rice is right arm, man. She, Susan Rice is the kind of person, because that solves two problems, right? Now, well, you can't replace Kamala with a white person. Oh, that wouldn't work, right? even though they're losing all the black vote anyway. I guess they'd lose all of it. Who knows? So we replace her with a black person. It ain't going to be Michelle, folks. It'd be someone who hates America so bad they will do everything. Not anything, everything, including use the military against us, like we talked about last week. Here's the deal. We want to restore our Constitution. I said that at the beginning, I've said that at the middle, I say it every week. What does that mean? We want our elected representatives to not only listen to us, but do what Jim Jordan said in his book. Just do what you say you'll do. Do what you promised the people who elected you. What does that mean? That means using Project 2025 and and by passing a legislation, winning the House and the Senate, electing Trump to pass legislation, to defund the Marxist left, to take the money away from the you know, school uh, work uh, program that they're going to use to register Democrats to vote. You defund all that, and you restore what? The rule of law, not tyranny. 
not dictatorships. You make Congress, you use the Supreme Court, God willing is going to rule about this whole case where, you know, the bureaucrats are making laws that Congress never intended and force Congress to make the laws, force Congress to do single issue bills, to pass all 12 appropriations bills independently out of committee to restore the Constitution. That's what we're trying to do, not create a dictatorship because it worked for 240 years. We became the greatest nation, not because we had a benevolent king or a strong dictator. As much as you may like Donald Trump, you don't want him to be a king. I don't. I don't think you do. We want our government to act in our best interests. And, the, and our Declaration of Independence says that. People will establish a government to protect their rights. That's not what's happening now. That's what we're trying to accomplish. We don't like the direction this survey is going. It's right on. It says people know that they're not the people we elect don't give a damn about what we think because they've corrupted the whole system from the primaries all the way through with the big money special interests buying their votes and getting favors, right? That's how Nancy Pelosi became filthy rich. I just heard the other day her husband made I don't know, $22 million on some stock investment that Nancy had knowledge of, okay? We know all that. We're trying to stop that, not create a king. So, we, we, you know, the survey is right that we know what's going on, but the answer is wrong. We want representative government. We want to be able to unelect the people who don't do what they say. Right now, we really can't do that, can we? That's what we're trying to change. This year is pivotal on all those levels. All those levels. And I, and I warned you, and I, and I thanked you last week, all you guys who gave this week to the, the 2024 Victory Fund, who went to freedomforallpack.org, freedomforallpack.org, and donated. Or just go to wepeopleconvention.org, and right on the front page, there's the first button says, donate to the Victory Fund. Thank you. Because we're trying to elect people who will represent us, who will not sell their souls for a few bucks, or not even a few bucks, millions. You need those kind of people. That's what we're trying to elect. But I am deathly scared that if you don't turn out in huge numbers, like it was the general election, the Democrats are going to pick your candidates for December. Don't let the damn Democrats pick your candidates in the primary. If they can cross over in your state, you owe it to Trump to turn out and vote in droves and not just vote for him, even because it's symbolic. He's going to win 14 states in Super Tuesday. He's going to win them all. He's the nominee. That's not the point. The point is to restore our nation, restore the rule of law. The point is to win the House and the Senate with people who believe in making America great again, who will put America first, and who will follow their constitutional responsibility to represent the people that elected them. That's what we're trying to do. That's why you're watching this show. That's what we're all about. And we can do it this year 
if you make the maximum effort, if you do the things that we talk about doing. So I can't thank you guys enough for being here and watching it. Tell other people about this podcast. Write to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org and tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. If I haven't covered a story, you know what story is that? Should I cover it? Info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Tell people about this podcast and then act on all the things I've asked you to do this week. And then tell me other ideas you have that we should act on. But on the podcast page, it has the player, the chapters player, the stories that are in with the time, hot links to the articles that those stories came from, and then at the bottom are action items for this week. How can I make it any easier? How can I lay it out any better for you? If you love America, if you love your freedom, your liberty, and your prosperity, how can you not act on every one of those things? I don't know. You've got to have that conversation with yourself. I know that I do. I know that I want to win, and I'm willing to do what it takes to win. I'm willing to beat the Democrats. I'm willing to say, yeah, we need to drop the bomb on Japan, and we need to bomb Dresden. That's what we need. We need Americans who want to win, who are willing to win. We need some more general patents, okay? Be a patent. That's what I'll try to do. So until next week, God willing, you'll be back, and I'll be back, and we'll meet again. But I, I wish you have a great week. Be a happy warrior. Don't be a sad warrior. Do things that make you happy. Have some fun. But be tough. Just because you have fun doesn't mean you're weak. Until we meet again next week, you've been listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast, and my name is Tom Zawistowski, and I wish that God will bless you and that God will bless America. Thanks for watching. Yeah.
Yes, we are the brave.